The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 21. We've been off for a little while, but we're back. This is the White Sox are flawed edition, and boy, we will get into that. You, you know this podcast is your best place for cigars and Chicago sports, as we always do. Let me set the scene. We're at the place, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove, Illinois. Uh, you know, looking out the window, it's really nice out. The weather has finally gotten good. It's been in the 90s the last few days. You know, by the way, if you want to come by the place, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove, is a really nice outdoor setup now where you can smoke a cigar out there. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports, and please do that. Um, and you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as always, let me introduce my friend and co-host, Phil Sullivan. Phil, how you doing? What you smoking? What's going on with you? How's everything? Steve, doing great. You mentioned about the lovely weather in Chicago. Uh, you can't help but mention that we went uh, from having the furnace on and two days later having the AC on. So we, we seem to have skipped the uh, in-between a couple months called spring. Uh, but I'll take this warm weather any day. It's uh, It's beautiful out. You know, you asked me what I'm smoking. We had a visit the other day by uh, one of the guys that we've had on our show, Bruce Bush from K by Karen. And he happened to be in town and he stopped by the place and we had a great visit. So for him, I'm uh, enjoying a K by Karen Cameroon. Nice smoke, great cigar. So really enjoying it. Wow. I didn't get any free samples. I guess, you know, too bad. I guess, I guess, you know, I got to work for a living. Can't be around to get free samples. So I'm smoking a La Florida Minicano El Jaco Perfecto number two. It's already my second one of the day. Love those things as always. I've been uh, sort of branching out, trying a lot of new cigars recently. And by the way, speaking of cigars, we did have a bet on the last episode and where I told you that you were insane if you thought the Bears were going to pick even one defensive guy with their first two picks in the second round, and they actually picked two defensive guys in the second round. And by the way, I'm not necessarily criticizing that, and we can get into the Bears draft a little bit later. Clearly, they just went with their board, and they thought that you know those were the best two guys on the board. Their first two picks were Kyler Gordon, a cornerback out of Washington, um, and Jaquan Brisker, a safety out of Penn State. Both defensive guys. We bet a cigar per defensive pick. You swept, you won both. And, uh, you know, we gave you a couple cigars there. So I'm glad at least that I've paid up. We don't have to, you don't get to call me out on the podcast. So uh, good job on that. Yeah, uh, greatly appreciate it. So anytime you want to, you know, make a few more wagers like that. I think I also had another little prediction on you that you thought I was really way out there when I, I think I mentioned that I thought uh, the White Sox might sweep Boston. And uh, they ended up doing that. Uh, of course, what they've done in the four games following that will be topic for discussion in the next few minutes. So let me uh, give a little backdrop on the White Sox, because I think that needs to be uh, the featured discussion today. All right. So after last night's 15-7 brutal loss to the 
what looks like the best team in baseball, the New York Yankees. And we'll get into the detail of that game. And that was just a horrible loss last night. That was, of course, only three nights after the Cleveland Guardians loss when they were up 8-2 to two entering the ninth and lost 12-9 to nine in 10 innings. But let's sort of reset and stabilize. I'm going to give you some numbers, so kind of bear with me. Sox are 15-15. and 15. They do have a negative 21-run differential. They're 7-3 and three over their last 10. So the season is not over. You know, Andrew Vaughn had uh, you know two home runs in his Charlotte rehab assignment last night. And breaking news, apparently he is on his way to Chicago and will either be activated for the game tonight or tomorrow. All of that said, only two games back behind Minnesota, who was really hot and has now lost three in a row. This is a flawed team. And Phil, I want to go through some of the details of that flaw, and then let's get your take on whether it can be fixed. So this is the worst defensive team in baseball. We've talked about that ad nauseum. They lead the American League with 26 errors. They are also last in Major League Baseball in defensive runs saved, which is sort of the gold standard uh, defensive statistic. And by the way, Tim Anderson has as many errors, nine, as the entire Yankee team year to date. So that should give you some perspective there. Um, Tim Anderson. He's had 103 attempts. So he's almost at a 10% error clip, which is unheard of in the history of baseball. 10% of, att- of fielding attempts result in an error. That's unbelievable. I did not know that. But yeah, so he is uh, he is not fielding well, and whether he needs to go to another position in the offseason, I don't know. So let's talk about the offense. This team is 22nd in batting average, 27th in Major League Baseball in runs, 18th in home runs, 25th in Major League Baseball in OPS with a .6. 3-8 OPS, which is terrible. They also have the lowest batting average in the American League against right-handed pitching. We have to keep hearing about that. So there are no numbers that sort of stand out to you. And I'm giving like really basic counting stats. Nothing there tells you they have a good offense. So let's go to pitching. So they must have great pitching, right? Well, they're 12th in the major leagues in team ERA, 15th in batting average against 24th in whip, and that's terrible. So in other words, allowing tons of uh, base runners. And they've allowed the 14th most runs in Major League Baseball. So despite how great that we were under the assumption that the pitching was, and before the last couple of brutal losses, the bullpens actually looked pretty good. And it has not been very good the last couple of nights. And one of the broken things, I think we have to admit, is Liam Hendricks. But let me let me continue on this. So... Some more detail on the offense. Abreu is not hitting. Grandal is not hitting. By the way, here's a good stat for you. Six of the nine guys in the starting lineup last night were hitting under 220. Four of the nine guys are hitting under 210. So now let's talk a little bit about the manager, Tony LaRussa. And I want to provide some color because I think it's important to give some facts. So let's talk about last night and. Do I blame 
Tony Larusa for losing the game last night. You know what? I don't. He didn't give up the runs. I get that. But is he doing anything to help? No, he's not. So last night in the bottom of the seventh, Mankata hits a three-run bomb, his first of the season. He looks decent here since coming back this week. They're tied 7-7. Seven to seven. Top eight, Joe Kelly comes in. He is a right-hander, gets two quick outs. After getting two quick outs, walks the bases loaded. He, he gets left in, so TLR decides let's let him get out of his own mess. Aaron Judge is up. Judge singles, two-run score. So you would figure the guy has just walked the bases loaded and given up a two-run single. He doesn't have it, right? So it's time for him to go. Who's up next? Anthony Rizzo, who has been hitting home runs left and right. And Kelly clearly does not have it. He is a right-hander, and he's got the lefty up in the freaking bullpen, okay? So he's got the lefty up, but he lets the righty, Joe Kelly, throw to Rizzo, and then Rizzo walks, and, you know, why he even faced him, I don't know. He then, after Rizzo walks, puts in the lefty, Tanner Banks, to face Stanton and Donaldson. So he now is going the lefty against two power righties, and what happens there? You know, Tanner Banks, who has been pretty good, although his last couple outings, he's actually been pretty bad. He first gives up a single, you know, to Stanton, two-run score. Next batter is Josh Donaldson, first pitch, three-run bomb, White Sox down four to seven. So what is with that? Like, what kind of decision-making is that? You know, this guy forget about lefty-righty. So I'm not necessarily talking about any of these individual situations. But what I do want to say is I want to make the the overall point that the, um, you know, defense, not good. Offense, not good. Tony La Russa, not good. Fielding, the worst in baseball. So my question to you, Phil, is we've established the fact that there are a number of flaws We've gone into some detail. What can we do to fix it? Because, hey, we started out and said they're only two games back. They could be in first place by the end of the weekend. I doubt it. By the way, I'm going to the game tomorrow night. You know who is pitching for the White Sox against that that Yankee lineup tomorrow night? Dallas Keuchel. But anyway, so, yeah, they they could win the rest of the games this weekend, be in first place on Sunday night. You know, it's possible. That said, this is a flawed team. What do you think that can be done to fix this thing? Uh, you know, a lot of what you discussed, I had kind of some notes written down. Would have mentioned some of it. You know, you're beating up on my man Keichel there just now. You know, you got a guy with a 6.8 ERA. He could be Kelly with a 27 ERA. But yeah, back to the flaws. Uh, a couple of things that stood out. I believe out of their 27 errors, I would say probably seven or eight of them have been gross mental errors. And there's nothing I hate worse than to see that. You know, all you got to do is go to last night and look what Abreu did. You know, close play at first base. He looks at the umpire to see what the call was and forgets that there's runners rounding the base, rounding third base and going home. You know, the mental errors. Anderson has had some dumb mental errors. That the manager doesn't do anything about that. This, this team needs a spark, and it needs a spark with some anger and with some discipline. So bench a guy. So if you bench a guy that's batting 137 and you replace him with a guy batting, you know, 158, you know, it's not much of a loss. So uh, I think some guys need to be benched. Uh, La Russa, you know, that pitching thing last night, not only was Kelly walking guys, if you watch that, 
he wasn't even coming close to the plate on those pitches. So it wasn't like he was running guys up to a three and two count with five foul balls on great pitches and then all of a sudden just misses the corner. He wasn't even close to that, uh, that a pitching coach or a manager, if he didn't want to replace him, take a walk out there, calm the guy down, bring the infield in, have the infield talk to the guy, just to leave that guy standing out there when it was blatantly obvious after he got those two outs that he was losing his shit. And it was it was embarrassing that the manager didn't walk out there. Well, I just have to wonder. Say something again. Does Larusa even know what is going on? Because Ethan Katz went and made a mound visit, you know, before Rizzo came up. So I'm just wondering, you know, does Ethan Katz have the ability to make a mound visit whenever he wants? And was he thinking to himself, well, if, you know, if Tony's not going to take him out, then I'm just at least going to go out there and tell him to stay away from, uh, you know, from Rizzo. I don't know, but I'm just wondering if that coaching staff is even communicating in the dugout. And I'm wondering if LaRusse's brain is fully functional. And I'm not trying to, I'm not even trying to shred the guy. I'm just saying, I would like an explanation from somebody because certainly if you watched him after the game last night, you weren't getting it from him. Why was he going, you know, sort of reverse splits, you know, with the lefty righty thing? And was he doing it intentionally or did he just forget? Or, I mean, I don't know why, if you have the lefty up, why wouldn't you use him? Yeah. The lefty righty thing, you know, totally missed. You know, I stayed up and watched that whole game last night. I even stayed up and watched LaRusso's press conference. That's something that Sox ought to stop doing because he just looks bad. I mean, really bad. I, I hate to keep harping back to, you know, every now and then I bring up the old days, but in the old days of baseball, when teams had a potential to be a good team, and the White Sox certainly had preseason potential to be a very good team this year, when they get off to a start like these team has gotten off, as you mentioned earlier, across the board, errors, uh, a hitting, pitching, uh, management came down from their tower and shook and shook that stuff up. They did something about it. And, you know, the old saying, you can't fire a whole team. I get that. And, uh, you know, is Larusa the scapegoat? You know, he's not making the errors. He's not doing those things. I get it. He's not the pitcher. But uh, I just don't think he's putting a spark under their ass. I don't think anybody is. I think they're just letting them do their thing. You know, something's got to change. But like I said, when teams had that much preseason potential, and I, yeah, of course, they've had a few injuries, and of course, they played in some shit weather. Uh, I, you know, I get all that. But of course, the teams that, you know, when the Sox were playing in shit weather, they were actually playing against teams that were playing in the exact same weather. So I don't buy that. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about what potential there is for this team to improve. Here's what concerns me, right? If you look at the defensive situation, and I know that we always harp on this, just go around the infield for a minute. Abreu is not a good first baseman. All of the advanced metrics show that he is a negative, you know, he is a negative at first base. So, And we know he doesn't like the DH. He plays every day. You know, we love Abreu. I got it. He's not hitting, by the way, at all. He's got like a 680 OPS right now. But 
he's not going to get better defensively. We don't really have a second baseman. I mean, I guess we got this Josh Harrison guy. Um, he has a nice smile and a nice beard, but, you know, I, I don't know even what the situation is at second base. And we got, you know, Larry Legend playing sometimes. We've certainly talked at nauseum. It's short. Tim Anderson, he cannot play short. I'm sorry. You know, he may not continue to make errors at the same rate that he's making them, but you can't trust him at short. And then, you know, you look at third, and I don't think that, you know, Mankata has gotten the scrutiny that he deserves because he boots a lot of balls over there as well. And I realize he's only been playing this year for a week now. He isn't necessarily consistent at making the throw. I don't feel good about him either. And then you go to the outfield and, you know, we know Luis Robert is really good at what he does. I'm not criticizing um, Luis Robert at all. You know, whoever is in right on any particular day cannot play. Andrew Vaughn was actually the, you know, again, defensive metrics, the worst right fielder in baseball before he went down. And it just seems like anyone they put out there stinks. I mean, you remember that play by Sheets the other night. And I know that he's not a right fielder, but good God. You know, I guess Pollock is acceptable, you know, on either corner, although he's really a left fielder. But Jimenez is going to go back out there when he's healthy. And by the way, it looks like Jimenez is way ahead of schedule and he will be back, um, believe it or not. He may be able to start a rehab assignment as soon as two weeks, so he'll be back soon. And he actually has been better in left, just to be fair. But if you're pointing to Aloy Jimenez as one of your defensive bright spots, then I don't know what to tell you. And we haven't even mentioned Yasmani Grandal, who is just not a good receiver. He doesn't block the ball well. Reese McGuire has actually been really, really good when he's been in there. When Vaughn comes back and when Jimenez comes back, you know, that's going to give less flexibility for Grandal to, to play DH. So, you know, we're going to be back to Grandal catching pretty much every day. And it's been about half and half right now. So I just don't know how you're going to improve this, this defense. You know, the offense worries me because I just wonder, it's so right-handed heavy. And yeah, I realize Sheets got a, you know, had a couple of uh, home runs last week and that's great. You know, but then, you know, and, and we got Mankata back. That's good. But I mean, you're really counting on, you know, Grandal not hitting at all. So I just wonder, is this going to be a flawed offense? There is no indication that it's going to be better. So I'm just worried about this whole thing. And even if somehow they can win the division, I predicted them for 88 wins and, you know, it's possible they could win 85, 88, 89 games. I mean, I guess that's possible. But do you really think that this team is going to win in the postseason? Do you think this team is going to beat the Yankees in the postseason or some good team in the postseason? Hell no. Not a chance. And you wonder, how did the wheels fall off, if you want to say the wheels were even on, across the board on this team in every category that we've mentioned? You know, I was amazed. I was out in Vegas third week of the season, you know, towards the end of March. I'm sorry, I was there the third week of April. So, you know, we were already, you know, three weeks into the season, and I was amazed to see that the White Sox were the third highest ranked team to win the World Series, you know, odds-wise. And so even the experts were looking at the White Sox as a pretty decent team across the board. You, you, you don't get there just by having pitching or just by having some hitting. You got to be a pretty good team across the board. So even the experts thought the Sox had a pretty decent chance to have a pretty decent season. Uh, as they're playing now, I, I almost don't agree with it. They'll even make the playoffs. I mean, they, they just can't keep this up. So, you know, if you want to look on the bright side, I guess you have to keep saying to yourself, you know, maybe the weather warms up. Maybe they get a few more things adjusted. 
And uh, this team does have talent that might finally gel. I, I just don't see it. You don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, once again, the manager situation, I just question it. I just question this 78-year-old man that looks like he's constantly out of gas to even stand in the dugout, let alone mentally manage a game. Is just mind-boggling to me. I mean, I would just make the manager change. Just you know that whole deal that you were saying about you can't fire all the players. I mean, it can't hurt. The guy is not helping them. You know, and I heard that interview with Giolito last week, and he was saying that Larusa is the best guy he ever played for, and that sort of thing. I mean, the bottom line is the team is not performing. He's the leader of the team, and you know they got to do something about that. And, you know, you mentioned the futures odds. Um, the White Sox have now dropped to seventh. Dodgers, Jays, Mets, Yankees, Astros, and Brewers all ahead of the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox are now at plus 1,300. So clearly they are uh, beginning to slide down in the odds-making situation as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's not a good situation. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens this weekend. We have the great Vince Velasquez going tonight um, against Garrett Cole. And, uh, you know, that doesn't sound very good to me. Although the truth is Velasquez has been a lot better over his last couple of outings. So he's actually been solid. And as a fifth starter, he's been fine. Then, you know, as we mentioned, we have Keuchel on Saturday night and then Kopech on Sunday. Kopech's been terrific as well. It's kind of interesting. Kopech doesn't have a decision yet, but not that that really makes much difference, but I just thought it was interesting. And I just think that if Keuchel gets bombed, you know, this weekend, and again, I know he had a decent outing last time, and that was more about cutting down on his walks because he actually gave up a bunch of hits. But if Keuchel is no good this weekend, and that is my assumption, frankly, I think just give it a go with Johnny Cueto. The guy's ready to go. He's had like four or five starts in the minor leagues now. He's stretched out and ready to go. Just give him a shot and see what we got there. But this team's got to catch the ball and, uh, you know, and score a few runs as well so you know we'll see what happens cease and kopech uh, kopech is the guy that's really been surprising me he looks very focused the guy's got a 0.93 era going right now i think he's got a whip of uh like 0.95 or 7 something like that you know he's really surprised me cease i mean cease got 58 strikeouts i mean it's phenomenal i mean look what he did last night but he gave up five runs i mean you know the strikeouts are great but you know you got to uh you got to keep these batters from you know in between the strikeouts from you know pounding on you but I like the way Cease looks. You know, if you can get, you know, Giolito to start coming around, um, and like you said, you never know what, you know, who knows what Keiko might do. Giolito's uh, been, been fine. I have no issues at yeah, all. The with guy Gilito. that scares me, the guy that scares me is the guy who, who they put all the eggs in his basket is, is a wild card. That Hendricks. That Hendricks can be, you don't know what you're going to get from the guy. Well, one know. thing you know you're going to get from him is that, if you can catch up with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, right over the plate, you're going to get some home run balls. Well, good hitting good hitting MLB hitters can hit fastballs. Fastballs don't phase them. The so. guy had five consecutive excellent outings, you know, before that one on Monday night where he completely blew up and he did not come into a clean inning. So I don't know what to make of that, but... Yeah, I mean, the guy does give up home run balls, and his numbers for the season look terrible. You know, and you are what your what your numbers say you are. Dylan Cease, after last night, he's got a 355 ERA, a 111 whip, and, uh, you know, gave up a bunch of runs last night. And he is leading the major leagues in strikeouts with 58 over 38 innings. 
But here's the deal with Cease. It seems like now we're getting back to the same thing. He's got the nastiest stuff in baseball, meaning he is so hard to hit. You know, when he is on and when he is like, when, when he's getting that slider over, that thing looks like some sort of weird looking curveball. And when he is spotting that four seamer, I mean, the guy is so good. His stuff is amazing, but the reality is, you know, once again, giving up runs. I mean, the guy throws four innings, 11 strikeouts, gives up seven runs. I mean, that can't, that's no good. So you've got to get that figured out. So um, you know what, Phil? We talked about the Bears for a minute. Yeah, I did want to throw one Bears thing out there we could all ponder on. that The Bears, uh, when the NFL schedule came out the other day, the Bears got what they might call a little quirk in the schedule. So see if you could tell me uh, in the Bears schedule something that occurred that hasn't happened in 58 years. I don't know because I didn't really study the schedule because I'm not as obsessed with that as I am with many of the other NFL offseason things. You know, and I know that they're starting out 0-2 against uh, San Francisco and the Packers, but what is that one thing? The Bears have no road games in December. So, you know, that'll be interesting that they get to play a lot of games in uh, some uh, very unpleasant weather. Uh, back to your uh, theory that all, especially northern NFL teams, should all be in dome stadiums within five years, which I think would be a great NFL rule if they can implement it. But yes, the Bears play no road games in December. So uh, the fans must love that, that are uh, shelling out huge bucks that they get to sit in a lot of home games in uh, 20 degree weather. Yeah, that's interesting. I did hear that, but I didn't know that it never had happened before. I don't know why that quirkiness happened. One thing that I will tell you about the NFL is that they go through that schedule with a fine tooth comb because they look at each and every game as an individual event, an individual revenue opportunity. And that's why they make such a big deal out of everything. That's why they've got, you know, the whole feature with, you know, the first week Monday Night Football, you got Russell Wilson going back to Seattle, you know, you're going to have you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, in December going to Houston, and they've got, there's a whole bunch of mat- featured matchups that sort of space themselves out, which leads you to believe it would seem that Major League Baseball might want to think about that when they're having two Cubs Sox games during the week in 30 degrees and rain in early May at Wrigley Field. I mean, maybe we should be playing those games in July or August, you know, I mean, maybe Major League Baseball should actually pay attention to what the computer rips out when it comes to the schedule. Yeah, I th- you know, I'm glad you touched on that for a second. Uh, to me, that was just disgusting that Major League Baseball did that scheduling cork. You got a baseball city like almost, well, next to New York, like none other with Chicago, with the North-South rivalries. And you got these teams playing in May during the week, during the school year. I mean, parents could maybe bring their kids and the excitement of a Cub Sox thing or bring your son with his buddy that's a Cub fan and he's a Sox fan, all all the fun things. And uh, those games need to be played in the summertime. They need to be played when kids are out of school. Once again, back to the baseball thing. Here I am last night watching this game last night. The damn game didn't end until like 11.30, 11.15 at night on a week. That's ridiculous, you know, with their, you know, some of these games and you know, here they were trying to shorten the games. It's certainly, I know the stats might prove differently, but, you know, it, it hasn't shown it to you me. You called me the other night in one of these games in the eighth inning, and I'm like, huh? And like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, well, it's night. I'm sleeping. So, um, right, right, right. 
Yeah. Well, you were on your favorite time zone. Yeah, it was on my, I was on my favorite time zone that night. It's true. Well, Steve, great catching up with you. You know, we got a lot to talk about. I'm glad we talked about our White Sox. I know that's going to be the hot topic for the next the next few months because uh, we are, you know, getting into a sports lull. We'll have a, maybe a little NBA we can touch on next week. There's actually been some exciting NBA games. Of course, uh, none of them involve Chicago teams. But, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep on with this baseball thing. It's going to be interesting. Yep, sounds good. All right, Phil, it's been real. It's been fun. We will talk to you soon. Adios. Thanks. Sugar Magnolia, blossoms blooming, that's all Indian, I don't care. So my baby down by the river, who should have to come up soon for there? Sweet blossom, come on, under the willow, we can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of nature, growing in the brushes down by the riverside.